And sometimes, why? Why? Hey, folks. Welcome to And Sometimes Why. I'm your host, Rob Zabo. Today on the show, we've got opera-trained hard rock dynamo Shadow Girl, a.k.a. Jamie Gabani. I can't wait for you to hear her thoughts and check out some of the music we've worked on. For those of you who know me, you know I love my hard rock, and that's what Jamie is all about, or or should I say Shadow Girl. It's new for me. She just changed her name, so I'm getting used to it. I think it's a great move. It fits with her thing so well. So how's your quarantining going? I really want to know. Check this out. I've got this idea. Why don't you folks send me your thoughts on your quarantine experience, and I'll put them all together and release them as a podcast episode. I think this could be so interesting. So this is my idea. This is how I think it could work. Anyone with a smartphone can do this. On your phone, go to your voice memo or voice note app or whatever. They're all called something different. So start the recording. Start by saying your name and where you are, and then tell me about your quarantine or self-isolation experience. How has it been? How do you feel? What have you learned? Whatever else you want to talk about. That's it. Then email me the voice note. The email address is andsometimeswhypod at gmail.com. The Y is a word, not the letter. Or you can send me a link to Dropbox or G Drive or whatever you use. For those of you with proper fancy microphones or music podcast setups, even better. Use that and send me a WAV file or an AIFF using Dropbox or WeTransfer or whatever. So what do you think? I think this is going to be great. Yeah, so don't be shy. I really want to hear what you guys are all thinking. So uh, here's where I'm at. As I'm recording this, I'm on day two of my second week of self-quarantine. And what I'm realizing is in my pre-quarantine life, I'd been living as a hermit because not much has changed for me other than I'm messaging way more people than I normally would in a week. It's really brought into sharp focus what really matters. And so Kat, my partner, and I are video conferencing with people pretty well every day. I'm texting like crazy. And in a normal week, I'm just in my little condo downtown Toronto all day long working on projects. And I don't actually have that much contact with people. So I feel really lucky to have such a close family and so many great friends. And it's, it's kind of comical that it takes a world pandemic to remind me how lucky I am. So that's how I'm feeling. So like I said at the top of the show, on the show today, we have Shadow Girl. She's an opera-trained hard rock diva, like diva in a good way. She's such a powerhouse. I can't wait for you guys to hear some of the music we worked on together, which we get into in the conversation. And be sure to stick around to the end of the show, because after the outro credits, we'll play a full song from a record, like we did in episode number five with Sean Pynchon. So let's do this. This is a chat I had in my condo in Toronto, pre-quarantine times, with Shadow Girl, a.k.a. Jamie Gabani. up in New Liskard, Ontario. I sure did. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like what it was like growing up in a remote town? Because it's a pretty small population, right? And it's oh, God, way north. Yeah. Way north. Um, you know, I tell people 
where I'm from here and they look at me like I have three heads. Nobody knows where it is. It's off the grid. Um, So yeah, like growing up there, it was positive in the sense that, you know, I had a tight knit community of people who supported my music and my singing. And it really got me involved in a lot of community things like community choir, musical theater. So that was all good. At the same time, though, you know, being as you grow up and you're in a high school and there aren't a lot of options of friend groups to be in and that kind of stuff, that's when it gets a little tricky. I definitely felt like I didn't know how to shamelessly be like the musical theater nerd that I was around school. I kind of put on this, you know, cool kid facade just to kind of survive and uh, and you you felt like you had to do that because there was some threat of yeah not wanting to be an outcast mm-hmm. and wanting to be accepted yeah at the same time though i was still you know working on my music kind of privately and i would still do the musical theater and hang out with my drama friends but then you know beyond those doors it was kind of like you didn't talk about it Really? It's so funny how that has such a stigma. Like that's kind of the the trope or the stereotype of the drama kids who are like the weird gothy like yeah. in their own. But they're always the most interesting people. Yeah. Right? And I don't understand it because I just love them to death. And, you know, that was where I really felt like I was thriving. And it's mm. just like great conversation. It's totally. fun. But yeah, so. So New Liskert is is several hours north of North Bay, correct? Um, About six hours north of Toronto and an hour and a half north of North Bay for whoever knows where that is. Um, That's usually the, you know, I'll tell people, you know, where North Bay is and they're like, oh yeah, okay. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) You're doing a lot of music theater and you, you were really trained singer. Yes. There was really only one vocal coach where I grew up. You know, as a child, I would always be singing around the house and my dad found lyric sheets that were written in crayon. And I'm not saying these lyrics were good, but like I was always writing, always wanted to sing. How early? Oh, young, like five, six. Oh, that's you're already starting to write. Yeah. And always singing. But it was never something that I actually thought about pursuing until... My uncle said, hey, she's got good pitch. You should uh, put her in vocal lessons. So my parents literally had to drag me to my first vocal lesson. I did not want to go at all. And obviously now I'm so grateful that they did. But um, one vocal coach, she specialized in classical music. So that's what I learned how to do. And I was trained very, very heavily operatically. Mm -hmm. So I was colors who are a soprano at 13 years old. I would perform in local music festivals and doing musical theater on the side. It was a ton of fun. That being said, like I said earlier, you know, I was always writing. And so that was something. And you continued to write even though you were in musical theater. I did. The unfortunate thing was that I couldn't really perform my own stuff. And well, that's the whole tradition of that, right? It's just like you sing it like it's written and you, you, you're you Exactly, doing, yeah. which is great. It just wasn't what I had a passion for. What I have a passion for is creating things and writing things and bringing them to life with my voice. So 
musical theater, more so the classical music. That was the thing that I was like, Kate, this isn't for me. And so, how old were you when you decided that? Around 14. That's pretty early to start, you know, making your own decisions. I love that. Because I remember at that age for myself, I remember my parents putting me into like folk guitar lessons and I didn't right. know how to play guitar yet. I remember just thinking, this is not what I want. I want to play rock. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you're, you're making that, you're saying, get me out of these opera singing type things. I want to. I mean, if you know, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like it was more around 15 years old actually, but okay. still I made the decision to pursue more of a popular music kind of thing. Started working with a producer that was actually the musical director for um, the local production of The Sound of Music that we put on. So I met him through that. And, you know, he asked me, like, what do you want to do here? And I was just so confused at that point. Well, you're so young. You're still molding yourself into who knows what. And I was just so classically trained that doing any other genre felt so foreign to me. Belting felt like something that was bad, something that was wrong. I Mm -hmm. shouldn't do that. Um, Yeah, I just didn't have a lot of confidence. I didn't know what direction to go in. So basically, he asked me, what kind of music do you listen to? And at the time, you know, being six hours up north, I was listening to a lot of country music. So I said, country music. And he was like, all right, let's make a country EP. And you're on the Bada bing, bada boom. We did that. I'm very grateful for that experience. But at the same time, it was very confusing for me. I didn't know how to deliver what I wanted to vocally. Well, I still sure. sounded like a like an opera singer singing country songs. <laughs> like Totally. So that's when I got hooked up with Amanda. Amanda Mabro, yes. who we've had on this podcast. Yes. I actually just listened to your podcast with her this morning. Love her so much. She's amazing. And that was a game changer for me, kind of diving into more of the classical singing approach. Up until that, I had kind of been Skyping other Toronto-based vocal coaches right. from New Liskerd. Mm-hmm. So I would Skype them and they would try to help me, you know, break out of that classical thing. I would take road trips to Toronto before I started doing this record too. You just wanted to sound less like a classical singer and more like a country yes. singer. Yes, and I didn't know how. Nothing was really getting through to me and sticking. And then I obviously met Amanda. That made a big difference. Do you remember specifically what she did to get you? Because it's so, when you, you've been singing a certain way, it had been ingrained yeah. in you, right? A big thing was learning how to sing how I speak. Mm-hmm. It's less of a total manipulation of the voice, which I was kind of doing before. Like when you're singing classical, it's more like, Like you're singing like uh, you're yawning almost and mm. you're creating a lot of space in your throat. So I would say the lyrics and then yell them and then I'd sing them. And that took so much work, but it finally started to get through and sink in. And another thing, like I heard you saying actually at the start of the Amanda podcast that you did when you were kind of giving your little spiel, you were saying how it's all about relaxation Mm -hmm. and confidence and not overthinking and it te- the voice tends to respond positively to that, and it comes yeah. out a little bit more easy. So getting out of my head was and, the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's the biggest thing for any singer. And th- the question always is how? You know, you can tell someone, yeah. get out of your head. 
Okay, yeah, that's yeah, great. great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm cured. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not that easy. It takes a lot of practice, a lot of muscle memory, just hours and hours and hours. And it still took me probably three years after I recorded this country EP for it to fully register. I would say even more than that. Mm -hmm. Probably halfway through, you know, pre-production of our record is when I was like, holy shit, I understand my voice now completely. Like, I trust it. This right. is me. Up right. until that point, I would still overthink things. And I think it's partly a result of all of the training that I've had. So many different voices and opinions and like techniques flowing through my brain. And it's also just me being a bit of an overthinker in general. Right. But, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how it works, right? You you learn all these yeah. things and eventually they all coalesce into this thing that is exactly. your voice, right? I felt like it was never going to happen. There were points where I was like, this is just, like, I'm just not getting it. What's wrong with me? It's hard this to is, be patient. Yeah. yeah. People would tell me still, like, you have a great voice and it, but it just wasn't my voice. All the way so. through your country career as, oh, as totally. a teenager. Wow, totally. wow. Didn't you do some big gigs in like North Bay with like yeah. big country stars? And was it Kiefer Sutherland? So <laughs> how is that? Yeah, that was a pretty awesome experience. North Bay Summer in the Park Festival in, God, like I want to say 2015. Okay. And yeah, we were the opening act. So I piled my band into our little car. We drove up and got to meet Kiefer Definitely partied a little bit in his trailer, which was pretty awesome. So he was friendly and super he was nice guy, like, yeah. respectful. And... I was nervous to like go up and say hi. Actually, uh -huh. my band was pushing me to. So I just walked up to him and I was like, great set. Loved it. Tried to play it cool. <laughs> I'm like, I'm Jamie. No big deal. And he was like, oh, we loved your loved your set. We'd love to like chat with you guys. You want to come in? And... See, that's great to hear because obviously it's not always like that just all the experiences I've had being an opening act, sometimes people are super sweet and friendly, like yeah. just real people like that. And other times there's this weird show business totally. you know, thing going on. Totally. So, so even at that time, you're saying you still felt like you were putting it on. Yeah. You know, it was still really fun. We still performed, still got, you know, great opportunities because of that country career. But mm -hmm. it it just didn't feel like me. It didn't feel natural. It just wasn't until I transitioned to rock music in the midst of, you know, all of this training that was going on that I really felt like, holy shit, this is it. Like, I felt it in my bones. We played Whole of Love, um, which was super <laughs> random because we were playing a country set. Really? At the Hard Rock. Yeah. And we just whipped it out. Got the best crowd response that we had gotten up until that day. The sound guy came and talked to me after and was like, that, you need to do more. And I was like, I think I will. That's fantastic. <laughs> See, I love hearing that too, because from where I sit, I'm like 25 years older than you. Yeah. And, you know, that's the kind of shit I used to listen to when I was a kid. And so to hear someone of your generation, like going back to that same kind of root yes. and saying, that's what does it for you. I love yeah. it. I just didn't explore enough of that world of music. But there's uh, so much music up. in and the world, And now, right? oh my God, yeah. Now I just... I'm constantly like, what else can I find? Like, what else can inspire me? One of the things that like, through us working together, uh -huh. I just feel like we kind of got each other in that totally. sense. So you had this epiphany and you've been doing music already by that point for more than a decade, but you're still a young woman. Like you're barely in your 20s. Is that right? Yeah. At that point. Yes. 
So one thing that occurred to me is, especially when you're playing rock music, you're almost entirely surrounded by dudes, by men. It's such a male-dominated industry, yeah. right? Your band is all guys. Yes. The sound man, you know, by his very nature. Of course, there, there are a few female sound techs, but it's it's getting better and better. Yeah. Now, of course, everyone's becoming more sensitive and just, just looking at things differently. Yeah. And I just wonder whether that was something you thought about. Yeah. I mean, when I first decided this was the direction I wanted to go in, I didn't even think anything of it. I was mm -hmm. like, I love rock music. I love singing it. I'm passionate about this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. And, you know, if I'm passionate about it, it should be well received. And the more that I got into it, I realized, okay, everything you just said, that about. is the case. I guess you could either take it as something that sets me apart or something that just is what it is. Like, it's, right. yeah, I'm just... It sounds kind of to me like you're saying it's no big deal. It feels natural Yeah, I don't think you. it is a big deal. I think we're all equal. And mm -hmm. just because I am, you know, it is a female-fronted project. It's it's you. It's you're me. driving the bus. I'm yeah, yeah. Jamie the human being. And these are my thoughts and my lyrics and my songs. And... I hope you like it. That's really all it is. Women are so well suited to sing. I mean, that's what Robert Plant was doing in front yes. of Led Zeppelin. He was trying to sing like Janis Joplin. Yes. He's trying to sing like a woman. And obviously you have those iconic female, you know, rock artists and just female artists in general. But I, right. I guess what you're saying is like in rock music, it's more of a male. Especially hard genre. rock. Yeah. Which is what you're doing with Shadow yeah. Girl, right? I'm not the only female doing this and I'm of aware of that, but I do hear what you're saying and I'm aware that it's a reality, but I'm just here to keep doing what I'm doing. Doesn't phase me. What was the reaction when you went from this country artist to this full on hard rock, <laughs> you know, streamer, dynamo, amazing. It was very positive. You know, you have those certain followers and there's those certain listeners and fans that are you know, they're just country music fans. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it was a little bit of a a letdown for a couple of people just because they love country music and loved what I was doing there. But for the most part, people have stayed with me through this process and this journey, and they've just been happy to see the evolution mm -hmm. and be a part of it. This is definitely where I've gained the most traction and the most attention. And I think it's because I'm, I feel powerful while doing it. So I'm comfortable to just like put more stuff out there, you know, play more shows. That's great to hear because it seems like it might feel like a pretty big risk because you'd already established oh, yeah. yourself in some way. I was it, nervous, definitely nervous. Yeah. I was, but I wasn't because it felt so right. Mm -hmm. so so I'm like, if kinda, it feels right, it's got to be right. You, you were compelled to do it. There was no choice. There was no choice. That makes me happy to hear. So another transition that I wanted to talk about is from Jamie Gabbani to Shadow Girl. Yes. I that was, was around. So weird to hear. <laughs> <Isn't> <laughs> oh my it? god, yeah. Cuz it's yeah. yeah, this is one of the first times we're talking about that. But from the first time you pitched me the Shadow Girl concept, I was on board right away. You were. I totally. I it really resonated because it really kind of spoke to who you are as an artist. It's hard to articulate. Yeah. I was part of the whole writing process for the record, so I really got to know you as a person, got to know the kinds of things you were kind of struggling with and, and thinking about, and it seemed so natural. So can you talk a little bit sure. more about that? I, first of all, love that you 
were so on board. I wasn't sure how you were going to receive it because we were halfway through recording this thing. And mm -hmm. I was like, hey, Rob, I want to change the name. And you were like, that's awesome. Let's do it. Uh, Jamie Gabani, that's my actual name, Gabani, very Italian. So it worked when I was doing the classical stuff. Even the country was a bit of a stretch, but we just went with it. And then rock music came into my life. That is way too Italian of a name to be up there, like <laughs> being the front woman of this rock band. It just didn't feel, I needed something more powerful. Right. I stumbled across this poem that I had written and it was called Shadow Girl. Um, let's Google it and see if anyone else has it. Doesn't exist. I kind of took that as a bit of a sign, but it kind of just worked. People, they live in the black and white. Mm -hmm. It's either black or white. And I just, there is a gray area and the gray area doesn't need to be a negative thing. And it also just resonated with me. So made the executive decision to change it. Here we have it. So we're launching Shadow Girl kind of in Today? this moment. Yeah. I'm excited to be part of it. Sincerely. <laughs> it wouldn't have happened without this process. I feel like everything that's happened leading up to this point has inspired this. So let's dig into that. Let's dig yeah. into the process. Let's Can do we it. talk about some some of the music we've made together? Absolutely. So uh the song I Can Make You Famous. That uh that's gonna be the first single. Yes. Right. And I was so excited to be part of this track. I think it's such a you're singing the voice of a Harvey Weinstein type white male dude in a position of power, really abusing that power. And you're paying a picture of this guy who is so sleazy. Yeah. It just makes my skin crawl. And I remember writing it together and kind of encouraging you to go there and yeah. take it further. And then when you came back to me with what you came up with, it made me cringe because it was so raw yeah. and real and like further than I thought you'd go. I know. But, but I it was, it was, that's there. kind of when I knew it had to be that because it just provoked such an emotional reaction. That's the thing. Like you even saying that it's borderline cringy, I take that as a positive thing because mm -hmm. that's an emotional response to totally. what you're hearing. So, yeah, you actually sent me you know, an instrumental for this where you were singing the words, I can make you famous, which we actually sampled your voice and kept it on the right, track. Right, Love Reluctantly. It. I know, but it was too <laughs> perfect. And you kind of had the idea behind this concept. I was just like, holy shit, that is powerful. I just felt lucky to be part of it with you saying what you had to say about it because obviously I can't speak to that no matter how I feel because yeah. it's not for me to say. It definitely was a really empowering experience writing that song especially when I you kind of pushed me to take it that extra step. I was I guess I, I was being a little more reserved. I didn't know how people were going to take it and then I was uh -huh. like you know what fuck it. I'm going to write what I think needs to be said but I just came in and we decided like we should paint this picture full out. Now that we've talked about writing that song and expressing that feeling, 
as a woman at this point in time with Me Too going on, and it really seems like in some ways things are changing, but in other ways things are the same as they've always been, and I just wonder how it feels to you. I think what's happening is long overdue and super important, and as horrible as it is to hear all of these things that have happened, and as hard as that is to stomach, it's a really positive thing to, you know, see people kind of taking the power back and being able to speak up and seeing actions actually be taken mm -hmm. because of this. I think releasing this single couldn't come at a better time because it kind of just continues to drive that message home. And even though all these things are happening, I feel like the more people speak up, the more other people will feel comfortable to do so and empowered to do so. I was just going to ask you, obviously, only if you're comfortable, have you ever had that kind of thing happen to you working in music? I personally have not. I know people who have, and I haven't had something like that happen in music. I've mm -hmm. had things similar to that in, in life, life, unrelated yeah. to my music. So I can understand in a sense and relate in a sense and it just makes me think you know like this could happen to me in everyday life imagine if something that means absolutely everything to me which is my music is being controlled by something as awful as that yeah and someone's ab abusing their power exactly to, for their own ends. it just makes me feel sick to even yeah, think about yeah. it yeah, I'm, well, so, I'm so glad that you haven't experienced that in, yeah. in music. Yeah, and I'm happy that we're talking about it now. And, you know, I feel like I can just, by releasing this right off of the bat as the first single, will kind of make it known that, like, I'm not going to be fucked with. <laughs> like, yeah. probably could have said yeah. that in a more elegant yeah, yeah, yeah. way. No, that's but, it. I love it. And I'm learning. And, yeah, I feel like I have knowledge on the subject so on that note, not to be fucked with, the song Monster. <laughs> My this, favorite. I'm so excited about people hearing this song, Me hearing too. what you did on it vocally. I remember sending you this crazy heavy riff and being really kind of worried that you would hate it. The internal monologue that I had as I was sending it to you was... Jesus Christ, Rob, she's going to hate this. You're sending her this like pseudo no metal thing. It's so heavy. That's and good. we didn't really know each other at the time. And then immediately you loved it. I emailed and you right back. Right I'm like, back. oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I'm coming in tomorrow. Like, <laughs> let's lay it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it all happened really quickly. It did. And I remember you sitting on the couch in my apartment where we did a lot of the demos for, you know, the songs as we were writing them. And you'd pull this sheet or this kind of blanket <laughs> over your head as you were like trying to get to that space to write lyrics. Yeah, that's something I that loved. I do. This is when you're with someone else writing a song. I'm trying to picture you when you're alone writing lyrics. What do you do to get to that place? I picture you like hanging upside down or, you know, in one of those things where you clamp your Walking feet in. Walking on the walls. Or, like who knows what, right? Yeah. Writing lyrics is a very intimate, personal thing. So when I am co-writing in a room with other people, that's why I like to put the blanket over my head because I can kind of get into my little creative bubble shut out the world around me and kind of immerse myself in the world of this song at home like I'll either just be like like I'll just lie on the floor with my phone kind of on top of my head writing right. in my notes um just pacing around I don't know like these words just come to me yeah how I do you make something out of nothing like yeah. my partner Kat often says that like where does it come from and that's kind of the trick and, yeah. and the place I've gotten to with it both from just 
self-examination, but also talking to so many different artists that I've worked with, it, it seems all to do with just being open and being relaxed and being trying yeah. to get the editor out of your head. True. That's what it is for me. I don't know. No, I, I do resonate with that. It's similar to what we were talking about with the singing yeah. and needing to relax and get out of your head. It's the same thing with writing. And that's back to the blanket. Why I kind of need to get to a space where nothing else exists except for me and this song and this subject, whatever it is. And then I can kind of become the song, if that makes sense. Right. I love Monsters so much. I feel like that was the moment where I started to feel like a boss. And I was like, I can use my voice in a lot of different ways. I didn't even realize that. Like you sent me that little demo and you were singing gibberish. I was on the walking. Yeah, you were like, wow, 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 wow. And I was like, that's genius. <laughs> great creative process. Like I felt so lucky because I've worked with a fair number of people and you can throw the ball to people, but there's no way you can force that. So yeah. when someone runs with something and, and you're communicating beyond anything you're saying just through music, it's so yeah. rewarding. That's the thing too. Like you need to not be scared to put an idea out there when, yeah. when collaborating. Totally. It's like, even if it's even if it doesn't work and it's like the stupidest idea ever. No idea is actually stupid. No idea is actually bad because that idea might spark inspiration for another idea. Yeah, it might lead somewhere else. Yeah. Or the other thing that it's so funny when people often come to me who maybe haven't done a lot of co-writing and they're often guarded or precious about their ideas and they, that was they'll me say no <laughs> to a lot of things. But it's so funny if you really examine it, you're saying no to something that you don't know what it is yet. And I don't mean you, I mean anyone. anyone. I mean, I yeah. certainly did that a lot. Totally. Too, where, where you're, you're kind of protecting this thing, but you don't even know what it is yet. And it's not as if you have a finite amount of yeah. creative of things you can do work, you know, yeah. it's, it's endless if you let it be, yeah. right? It's putting your guard down. Yeah. And back to monsters, that was like I said, the moment where I felt like I was really embracing my my voice and what it could do. But also the moment where things kind of took a turn in our pre-production process where I felt like I could walk in and just share my ideas with you, no matter what they were. I would walk in with a list of things, you know, on my phone notes that I just wanted to try. Right, and I'd be right. like, just hit record. I'm just yeah, going to yeah. do some crazy see, shit. I love and that. I don't know. It was, it was more fun just to see what could happen. <laughs> That's the ideal, isn't it? When you can get the chemistry or just when you're communicating well enough with each other that it feels safe to do that, right? So For I'm sure. really thankful that, that we, we got there. We, and and we, we, we have that that relationship now. That's yeah. that's really important. It's a really to great me. process. I, I feel really lucky to be part of that. Aww. Sincerely. Aww, it's Rob. true. But what else is there in I, this is our musical life, it's right? It's true. And what, I feel just as lucky. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about one more song, the yep. song Rise. Mm. And this is a song that's really close to my heart. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about was to kind of share with listeners something that I think the general public don't get to hear that often, which is something that started so different yeah. than what it became. And it, this was a bedroom demo that you'd done just with your guitar. And you kind of pitched it to me like, 
this is my singer songwriter song. Yeah. And it's it's not going to work, but it's it's just one of the songs just in case just have a listen. Never thought Rise would make the cut. That was one that I wrote back in first year college before I even made the shift to rock music. Mm-hmm. I was still singing country and that was kind of like a little diddly that I just came up with. And I, I thought it was so sophisticated and there's all these interesting chord changes and harmonic And now movements. I realize that. Yeah. But at the time, I was just like, oh, you know, it was something that I wrote alone. It wasn't a collab. It was like just I wrote it one morning before class. It's nothing. It became this thing. And uh, anyway, I just I'd love to play if if you're cool with yeah. the, the, the original demo oh, version. God. Okay. And then contrast it with what it became just so people can hear like, hey, this can become this if you leave yourself open. Let's do it. Had on this podcast thing are closer to my age. And since okay. we have a couple of decade gap between us, I wanted to ask you this because I kind of feel like your crazy uncle or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uncle Zabs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in a perfect world, what does your future look like? That's a good question. Well, I think back to the first time that we met you know, talking about starting this project, potentially. One of the first things that you asked me was if I have commercial aspirations. My answer at the time, which I still stand by, was if that means that my voice messages and what I have to say gets to be heard by the masses, then the answer is yes. Because I want to inspire people with what I have to say. I I have a story to tell. And obviously I want to start by releasing this freaking EP because it's been sitting around for almost a year now. It's been a long time coming. Oh God. Um, step one, you know, release it. I definitely want to tour. I love performing. Of course. A lot of performing. And I've done a lot of work on myself personally. I've gone through some hardships over the past decade even mm-hmm. though I am, you know, only 23 years old, a lot has happened, I feel, in a short amount of time. And I've learned a lot from that. And that's partly why I feel like I can't write a freaking happy song to save my life. I'm like, just the same way. Yeah. Isn't that a weird concept, eh? I feel like the kind of emotional resonance that I need to be compelled to write something yeah. is almost always a negative. Yeah. I I don't know what, what that is. I think it's just because I feel it so deeply, mm-hmm. so heavily, that it's almost like I need to get rid of it. Like, let's get rid of that feeling and let's put it into something. Whereas when I'm happy, I'm more just, I'm in the moment and I'm enjoying that moment. And even though those moments and those happy memories stay with me, it's like the other stuff tends to 
follow me around in a negative way. So I put it into my art as therapy. As therapy, yeah. yeah. Isn't that fantastic to have that oh, tool to live with? I'm so grateful to have an outlet. Yeah, I don't know what I would do or no, what I would have done. And I know that not everybody has that, so definitely not taking it for granted. But anyways, I want to kind of inspire people with my story and what I've learned, whether mm -hmm. it is through my music or eventually I gain the confidence to actually, if I, you know, am fortunate enough to build a bit of a platform, you know, maybe at that point I'll feel confident enough to kind of speak out a little bit more right. openly. So is, is there something specific you want to talk about or, or you feel comfortable talking about as far as what you've learned or? Yeah, I mean, from stuff as small as, you know, dealing with northern or small town isolation and what comes from that to heavier stuff like trauma and right. trauma therapy and family dynamics, destructive relationships stuff like that. I've kind of dissected a lot of those things over the years, learned how to put not necessarily a positive spin on it, but a therapeutic spin and just use it as inspiration. Can we talk about one more thing that yeah. I want to... You have a right-hand man, Nash. Yeah, yeah I do. This is something I wanted to talk about because you guys are a couple. Yeah. But you also work together so intimately in the music setting with several other players yeah. in the band. And I always find these couple relationships really super interesting because I've toured with several couples. <laughs> and the idea of all the different dynamics that happen with a band when you're playing and then within the band with rehearsing and all of that. But then you've also got the couple dynamic. Yeah. I'm just curious whether there's something about that that you want to share. Sure, Yeah. So earlier when I was talking about the name change and I mentioned that I was sitting in a treehouse with my drummer, Nash. Nash is my partner, not just my drummer. Nash, I love you. Sorry for just saying you were my drummer. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's one of those things, though. I, I feel like even when I first started working with you, I wasn't sure if I should say that Nash and I are a couple or just like keep it strictly professional. And lately, I've just realized we work so well together, regardless of whether we're a couple or not. It doesn't matter. Like, we make such a good team. So, it, yeah, it shouldn't matter. I feel like there's definitely pros and cons, as there is to everything. It can be tricky, right? It can be tricky. Like, we spend majority of our time together because whether we're having couple moments, which we honestly need to remind ourselves to prioritize, is just time for us yeah, as a couple. Yeah. That has nothing to do with all the other things you yeah, do together, Yeah, because we tend right? to get caught up. I especially, I will admit, I tend to really get caught up in the music and what I'm doing there. And it's it occupies so much of my mind and what mm -hmm. I think about every day. So sometimes I just need to like cool my jets, pump the brakes and be like, you know, instead of working on this song or instead of practicing this, do you want to just snuggle? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Nash yeah. is amazing though. He's like my biggest support, always has been. Um, he was the one that actually suggested that I sing Whole Lot of Love, that right. Zeppelin tune for the first time. So he was the one of the reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing right now. It's, it's so much fun to be able to 
do what you love with the person that you love. Yeah. I've it always really sort is. of romanticized that. Yeah. That's partly why I asked that question. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help that A Star is Born just came out and it's like this like, <laughs> phenomenon. It's not like that, guys, but it is like, it's just awesome. It really is. There's a sense of like, you just feel so comfy with that person. Right. So even, you know, having him on the kit behind me, I if I'm nervous or whatever, I can turn around and I feel at ease and I feel comfortable and I'm like, I got my rock here. Let's go kill You've it. You've got your person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And not to mention like our entire band, you know, the rest of the guys in the band, we're all friends. They're so sweet. Like, it's just a really great dynamic. You have this business that's called Stoof. Is that right? Yeah. S-T-U with an umlaut. Yeah. F. It's like stuff, but cuter. <laughs> <laughs> and so can you tell me what exactly you do? Because you kind of uh, mine used clothing stores and then mod the stuff and sell it. Is that yeah, right? I've always loved fashion, specifically vintage fashion and thrifting. I'm a really big thrifter. I love, you know, going to a thrift store, spending an hour or so and sifting through all the crap until you find that piece of gold. And so that's always been a passion of mine. Obviously, the music has always just been something that I've been passionate about. And, you know, getting ready to release this EP and thinking about live performance and setting up, you know, a merch table. And what am I going to do there? I want it to be unique. I want it to not be wholesale band t-shirts. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just, I feel like I want, I personally wanted to put my own creative spin on something. So I decided to start taking some of my vintage pieces that I had lying around and repurpose them. So I would kind of like chop them up. So, you know, stuff together. And then I started hand painting patches with fabric paint. And I, I think it started by cutting the sleeves off this suede jacket, not knowing what to do with the sleeves. So I cut the sleeves up into like little patch sized squares wow. and then painted those and then sewed those patches onto the back of that same jacket. And I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And wow. yeah, so I started incorporating, you know, images that mean something to me and represent Shadow Girl and song lyrics, um, little inside catchphrases, whatever it is. So it all like relates back to the Shadow Girl world. But it's basically just a wearable and tangible continuation of my music. It's a lot of fun, too. That's another thing that even before I had the idea to have it be a merch thing, it was just something, it was like a therapeutic hobby. It was something that I just enjoyed doing. And then it's pretty awesome that I get to marry that with the music, which is also something that I love doing. Yeah, if you come out to a show, you can definitely expect to see some stoof stuff. So everything is a one-of-a-kind yes, piece. Every piece is unique. Every patch is unique. So, every... so that takes a lot of time. It does. My finger actually hurts so bad right now. I've been sewing like crazy because I was debuting some of the stuff in a show yesterday. So I'm right, like, right. I hand sew everything onto these pieces. That makes it so meaningful though, right? For people yeah, buying Yeah, I wanted it. to give a personal, my hands made this. And right. um yeah, and I wanted each customer to have their own special, unique experience. Nothing is, like, gender-specific. It's all gender-neutral, unisex, um, could be one-size-fits-all. Like, for example, if I have, you know, a XXL-sized jacket, it could be, like, 
like a dress on a girl or, you know, um, just fitting normally on somebody else. And our guitarist, Cole, he's all about it. He's like, please, I will wear whatever you make for me. That's a lot of uh, trust. Totally. And even before I was like doing the patches and stuff, just to like, you know, playing in Toronto, like sometimes you don't really get compensated as much as you should. And so I would kind of pay my bandmates in like some of my vintage stuff. I'd be like, I don't have money for you, but here's a cool jacket. How would that... and, and they're into it. Totally into oh, it. So that's, that's great. Yeah. In closing, why is music important to you? It's not just important to me. It is me. I feel like I don't really have a choice. It's who I am. And I couldn't see myself surviving without it. It really gets me through, you know, some hard times. And it is just my greatest outlet. And I've met a lot of amazing people through doing this. I've learned so much through doing this. I've gained so much confidence through doing music. And yeah, it's literally my entire being. It's who I am. So... I can certainly relate. And yeah, you get it. it. Feels, I, yeah. If I think of my life, almost everything somehow comes back to music. Yeah. yeah. It always leads back to music. It's almost like um, just subconscious. Like I'm not even thinking about it. It's, it's just always there. there. It's, it's always, always there. there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great way to close this out. I love hearing that and I love sharing that. And I really honestly, sincerely feel lucky to have worked with you the way we did together. So thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time to do of this course, today, Of course, Rob. Thank you for having me. Thank you for everything. All okay. right. Well, thank you. Shadow girl. Shadow girl. Shadow girl. She's going to do great out there in the world. I've got a good feeling, man. And yeah, you notice I, I seem almost protective or something. I, I can't help but feeling, like I said in the conversation, a crazy uncle or something like that. You really get to know someone in a particular way when you spend a year working together on something that you both care deeply about. So like I said earlier, be sure to stick around until the very end of this if you want to hear the full version of I Can Make You Famous. And again, send me your quarantine experience. Send me your recording of how you feel and what you've been going through and what you've been thinking about. I won't go through the whole spiel again, but basically start by saying your name and where you are and tell me how it's been. How do you feel? What have you learned? And whatever else you want to talk about. Email and sometimes ypod at gmail.com if it's a voice note from your phone or send a link to Dropbox or something similar if you've got a fancier recording setup. So there you go. Another episode of And Sometimes Why. Thanks so much for being part of this. Be sure to take care of yourselves out there during these crazy times. Reach out to someone who's cooped up alone. It makes a huge difference. Thanks for stopping by, and thank you so much for giving a shit in the first place. And Sometimes Why is brought to you by Rob Zabo. Conversations are edited by Todd Donald. I'm Shadow Girl, and this is I Can Make You Famous.
If you want your name.